Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Flack, where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage. People don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Kimberly, Pastor Joel Swakowski. Hey, Pastor Joel. Good evening, morning, afternoon. I don't know. When are you listening? Good morning, evening, and good night. Good, whatever time it is you're listening right now, day to you. Yeah, there we go. Today's topic is wise men and kings, Pastor Joel. Oh, nice. So, would you give us the background for this topic? The greatest kings in history recognized that their job was to lead. Mm. Familiar? Sounds yeah. like a lot about what we talked about last, last episode. Right. What these great kings did because it was their job to lead was to gather as many wise men around them so that these wise men could come up with options or ideas or counsel because hmm. the greatest Kings knew their job wasn't to come up with the idea. It's their job to choose and make the decision between all the ideas so their job's leadership to facilitate the purpose and progress of others. And really, I see this, a lot of this is the difference between making the, the person who makes the decision versus the person who comes up with ideas. The leader's job or the king's job ought to have been to make the decision. They're responsible for the decision, not responsible to be the person to come up with all the ideas. Not that they can't come up with ideas too. Mm. But it's just, what is the king responsible or the leader responsible for making the decision? So what's the conflict in the church with that? So we learned in the last episode that God wanted to approach people through husbanding, which is leadership. We saw husbanding is working the land or helping people grow into who they are and becoming all they can be. So what would happen is priests would become leaders at 25 and they'd start leading. And then they'd retire at 50 so they could go into the role of training the next group of leaders. Man has a king approach, which means a person becomes a boss and they stay that way until the day they die. The conflict is pastors see themselves as kings and they don't follow the example of the greatest kings. Ooh. Yeah, so they don't surround themselves with wise people who come up with ideas. Oh. They don't surround themselves with wise people who give counsel. Pastors think they have to be the smartest person in the room, which actually takes away their ability to lead. Hmm. And then whenever the smartest person, so whenever the smartest person is also the leader, the result is always a dictator. What we actually have covered a lot of this in the humility episodes too, where the reason, one of the reasons humility is such an issue is because these leaders and pastors have such a hard time 
separating out what it means to be the leader versus what it means to be the smartest person in the room. And I actually heard very recently, like within the last month, Hmm. I heard a pastor say, pastors can't be wrong. And he was saying that as a statement of it being an issue in the church. He wasn't saying it like he believes pastors can't be wrong. He's saying that's the culture of what it is to be a pastor in America today. Wow. A pastor is in a position where they can't be wrong. That's the conflict in the church is what we're seeing is pastors see themselves as kings yet they aren't following the example of the greatest Kings by surrounding them with people that are, are wise surrounding, even surrounding them with people that are smarter than them. Awesome. Wow. So how do they support their position with the Bible? This is a tough one as well. Just like the last episode. Mm -hmm. But if I was to support this with scripture, I'd just say like James one, five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I would use that to basically say God gives everyone wisdom. So, yeah, I'm the king, but we can all ask for it, and God says he'll give it to us. Hmm. So what's wrong with that? Yeah, so they would use this verse as a rationalization. Ultimately, what it is is we see the strict perspective is simply these pastors feeling like they need to be in charge and be the wisest person. Mm -hmm. But we saw in the last podcast that pastors who embrace this King model were seeing church as a business. Nice. And now what we can see is that pastors who want to be both the King and the wisest man see themselves as entrepreneurs. So not only is it a business, but the business that they're, that they're accomplishing is something they came up with an idea they had Mm. something they've created, Mm, which furthers them being in charge. Right. Yeah. Yeah, It just reinforces that issue. Sure. The problem is they can't point to any person in the Bible to make their point. We saw Jesus was the leader, but he only did what God told him to do. Oh, that's awesome. And, and we also saw the way the last episode ended, we, we talked about how Jesus is going to lead in eternity. God's going to hand over the kingdom to Jesus and God's going to be the wisest man. Hmm. So God, the father appointed others to lead so he could play the role of wisest man. He wants to give ideas. He wants to give counsel. He wants to give his wisdom liberally. So do you have an example of someone being the leader and the wisest man. What does that look like? It looks like Solomon. Ah. And, and if you, if you pat, if you map out the life of Solomon, especially as King, what we do see is it started off great. You could even see there's times early on in his reign, he's taken direction from King David before King David died. He even takes counsel from Bathsheba, his mom. But once that's all done, and once he is really affirmed, especially by Queen Sheba, by being this wisest man, Mm. 
it's like all of a sudden Solomon is in this position where who else could ever give me any counsel? Wow. And he becomes this person who's both the leader and the wisest man. Who was he taking direction from? And then we also, I could also see the devil is a great example of this too. People who want to be the leader and the wisest man and Solomon. And we know the devil both ended up apart from God, which this brings up the bigger issue then. And we touched on this a little bit at part of last, last episode, who can confront you and tell you that you're wrong. Love it, man. And this is why. David was the greatest king, why he was the measure of what it meant to be a good king and why he's considered a man after God's own heart. Mm. The reason it had nothing to do with him being a guy who never did anything wrong. The reason it had nothing to do, to do with him always having the right answer. The reason he was all those great things is because David would instantly change his behavior when he was confronted. And God's, and that's why God said he's a man after his own heart. Because David saw this confrontation as a benefit that would help him grow, mm. which is the heart of God. And Solomon, was he didn't put people around him to confront him. He wasn't confronted by another person. And even when God confronted him, mm-hmm. his behavior didn't change. Yeah, because God was really he was really talking about being Solomon's wisest man too, wasn't he? Yeah. Basically saying, I will be your father. I will be the person to confront you and lead you and husband you. Right. And that's, and that's great. But I think Solomon used that. Did he use that as a rationalization to not need any other men in his life to speak into his life? Yeah. That's like saying if someone doesn't have any wise counsel, then they must be the wisest person right? that lives if God is their only wise counsel. Yeah. So how do people argue against this? What's the, what's the actual issue going on here, PJ? One of the questions that I've been actually prompting Music Life Church with, Music Life Church Kimberly, and mm-hmm. I know you and I have discussed this, when we this year are learning more and more about what it means to to actually interact with God and with other leaders was who did you talk to before you made that decision? Nice. Or how, what is your process for making decisions? Cause if we, the, the issue is another way I could go, I could, I could confront somebody in this area is, is asking them, you know, pastor so-and-so, do you advise your people to get wise counsel from others? Do you advise your people to fellowship with other people? Do you advise your your people to receive confrontation well? And if so, are you holding yourself to that standard? And, but where this comes down to, so not only is this a humility issue, but it's also what's your process for making decisions? Are you making decisions unilaterally? Nice. Without, without any help from anybody else, which, or are you actually pulling people in to help you come up with ideas before you make a decision? Because I'll tell you what, we know isol- it's not good that man should be alone. Isolation is one of the most unhealthy characteristics a person can have. Mm-hmm. And I'd say a person who doesn't receive counsel 
or or receive any ideas from another person as a person who's isolated, regardless of how many people they have around them. So what is a people group that you would liken these people to who can't be confronted? Oh, so I have a 13-year-old son going on 14. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm trying to help him with is understanding what it means to be an adult. Because the reality is in this area of making decisions and coming up with ideas, I like to point to teenagers. Teenagers think that they have to, to only do the ideas they come up with. Otherwise they aren't adults. And it also means teenagers avoid confrontation. So like these teenagers believe what it means to be an, as an adult is I make decisions on my own without any help. Right. And if you confront me, you're getting in the way of me being an adult. What I'm trying to teach my son is that teenagers ought to learn that adults, that true adults see their job is to be the leader in their life and encourage confrontation. Mm. Their job as adults is to make the decision, not necessarily come up with all the ideas. Because if they limit themselves by avoiding confrontation and they only choose from ideas they come up with, they're going to be extremely limited. I only have a very limited perspective on how I see the world and how I see problems and how I, how I handle the things that are in front of me. So really what we can see is that everyone who avoids confrontation and limits themselves from considering ideas of other people are not an adult. Mm. And it's, it's confronting as an adult, like are teenagers acting this way because they don't see adults act this way. Oh man. Are teenagers acting this way because they see adults not take advice from any other people. They see adults not handle confrontation well. Wow. So to kind of summarize this perspective, what we're seeing a lot in the church is people who are the leader or people who are in charge are also trying to be the wisest man. So these are, these are supposed to be two distinct roles that people are putting together in terms of that's how you're an adult. That's how you're a quote leader. That's how you're in charge is by making a series of unilateral decisions. I want to do this, so I'm going to do it. And that teenage mentality has actually infected the church. Yeah. Yes, it has. Awesome. So let's go to the loose perspective. Actually, before we go to the loose perspective, Let's take a call from Pastor Richard Tater. All right, Pastor Tater. Pastor Tater, you're on the line. Uh, hello, yes, Pastor Joe, Pastor Johnson. This is Pastor Richard Tater from McMillan, Alabama. As always, I do have someone to say upon the matter. Everyone, and I repeat, everyone in my congregation can give me an idea gentlemen you know i'm sorry i, I i'm so upset 
But I heard what you said the last time I hung up. But you know what? Mother told me to forgive you both. So, what? Hey, wait a minute. My wife, I know. <laughs> I have someone who can tell me when I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing wrong. Mother does it all the time. <laughs> well, anyway, I'll wait for your feedback. And uh, as always, this is my favorite podcast. Two hate. God bless. Well, thank you for that call, Pastor Dictator. Uh, glad that there's someone to confront you. Pastor Joel, what do you have to say about that call? Yeah, I'm happy he realizes his wife is somebody who can show him what he's doing wrong. Um, I found it interesting, though. It seemed like he didn't realize that until he was on the phone call, but the the point I wanna I wanna emphasize is what he said at the beginning. He said everybody in his church can come up with ideas for him, and that's great, right? Hopefully that's true, and I'm not even questioning that it is or not. But my point is though, what I found is that if a person can't actually name a person as the person that they have in their life who can show them where they're wrong, they most likely don't have anybody. Uh. And uh, that's in large part due to the intentionality that goes behind having somebody in that role. Mm. It's not just, oh, I let this person talk to me about ideas. It's like, no, I've had a conversation with this person saying, hey, I want you to speak into my life, including showing me where I'm wrong. When someone asked, I'll ask you, Pastor Jonathan, if someone asks you, who do you have in your life to show you where you're wrong, what would your answer be? I would say you are a person. I would say that I have several people. You know, my friend John is someone that can confront me. You know, the, the pastors in my church are, can confront me. So yeah, I, ha I have these people that I've given, I've given permission to them to confront me if I'm off or wrong. So yeah. So that's, that's my point. You, I, I knew you would have people in your life yeah. that you would be able to name. And, and I guess what I'm trying to do here is I'm not trying to be super confrontational or anything to, to someone who says anybody in my church could do this. My point would be, I encourage you to find at least a person that you have this conversation with. So you both know that this is a benefit you can receive from each other. And that would be to your, to your point, you know, this is an intentional conversation. You right. would ask them to do this. This wouldn't be a blanket statement over, you know what? Anyone can confront me in the church. It's no, no, no. Like specifically, who are those people when you believe you're 100% right? You, your first move will be to hear them. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So we've, now we've covered the strict perspective, Pastor Joel. So can you give us the loose perspective? Yeah, the loose perspective, it, it's funny because it is like, on, on one side, it could be actually a person who says everybody can show me where I'm wrong. Because hmm. that really means nobody can. Hmm. But the way I've seen it manifest itself the most is God's my wisest man. God's the only one who can confront me. God's the only one I need. I've heard this also, just me and Jesus is all I need. 
And that's really, that's this loose perspective is really a rationalization to be able to not be confronted by anybody. God's confronting me. He's my wisest man. Oh, that's like what you and I were saying about the whole Solomon thing where it's like, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. So how have people been hurt by the loose perspective? Well, it's funny you brought up Solomon again. It's that yeah. it's these people who have this mentality are following the examples of the pastors or of the kings who hurt them. Wouldn't it be just a logical progression for the people under Solomon's reign to also not have anybody who can confront them? Mm. But these people, they're in yeah. pride and they've actually. We call this, we, there's this concept we call lumping, where you take two concepts and you lump them together. Yeah, they become one concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what these people do is they've lumped the ideas of being right and righteousness. Mm. Being right and righteousness are not the same thing. Oh, nice. But if I do believe that being right and righteousness are the same, then what that does is it leads to me believing that being wrong makes me a bad person. Being wrong makes me unrighteous. That is wrong. Hmm. Being wrong doesn't make me unrighteous. And again, people emulate their bosses. So the way I'd help these people who are on this loose side, some of the indirect confrontations again is is even asking, well, when's the last time God confronted you? Walk mm. me through that interaction. Nice. So the issue is, that's great. Honestly, we all ought to have God be a person who can confront us. But what's the method in which we hear from God to confront us? Is it only between you and God? Right. So the issue is, you know, I could ask some questions, like when was the last time God confronted you? Is it possible you're wrong, which we covered in the humility episode, this question of, is it possible you could be wrong? Meaning even, is it possible that having God being the only wise counsel you experience directly from God, is it possible you could be wrong about that? Can you, mm. can you see another perspective? Like misinterpreting what God is saying to me. Right. Or, or knowing you know, confusing my voice, my thoughts with what I feel like God's saying to me. Right. Because a lot of times what happens is we get this idea that we define God as love. Mm -hmm. We define love as something that always feels good because it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. And then the natural progression there is when God speaks to me, it feels good. Mm. So that means anything that's different or uncomfortable must not be God. Nice. So that's the danger of what this can look like. And we'll get through, you know, the, we've covered the definition of love in a supplementary episode. We'll get, we'll, we're going to do a deep dive into some of those, so some of those other doctrine in the future. But for now, I want to just touch on the definition of confrontation. Love it. The word confrontation means with face. You can even see it as with face front or like to bring to the person's front 
to put before their face. The problem with only having God confronting me is he doesn't have a face. (laughs) Which is why the wisest man who ever lived and these people who embrace the God's my wisest man, they don't actually listen to the confrontation from God. Mm. Man, that is such a mic drop moment, dude. Awesome. Yeah. So, wow. When you see these, both of these, this loose and this, this, uh, strict perspective going on in the church pastor joel what are your thoughts one of my thoughts my main thought is we are missing in the church one of the hugest benefits god has given us Mm -hmm. i can speak for both of us in in how one the immense amount of effort you and i had to put in our own lives in valuing confrontation oh my gosh yeah, you're totally And also right. being a person who's loving through the confrontation they give to others. And there's there's nary a thing that has impacted our lives as much as the growth we've experienced through confrontation. Because the reality is we don't grow without it. We can't repair without it. And that's what I loved. You know, you you made this point about confrontation means with face to make someone aware to be face to face. And a lot of times people will define confrontation as abuse. Right. You know, like sharply making statements on someone else for your benefit or for their benefit in a way that hurts them. Yes. But I love, and I feel like it's really healing to define confrontation as with face because it's, hey, I'm just being face to face with you. Right. I'm being like, you know, talking like we are now, you know. Absolutely. Digitally, but still face to face. Yeah. And it is. And and to me, then it also, wait a minute. So your intentions. So so what this gets down to then is we, we project on a confrontation's intentions. Mm. your intentions are to hurt my feelings right instead of giving the person confronting me the benefit of the doubt where you know what no they're just trying to make me aware of something it may not even be their intention to show me where i'm wrong nice yeah they may just be saying hey i see this issue do you see it Mm. that could be a confrontation without abuse and in love. That's awesome. So what are these categories that you see within the church, Pastor Joel? You know, and in their response to these perspectives, the loose and freedom side, or the, the sorry, the loose and the strict side, how do you see the church respond to, to this situation? Right, so there's the, the people we you know, the category we always talk about, these aren't people we're judging as bad people. These are people we feel bad for. We pity them because it's a really bad thought process and a bad situation to be in. And it is the people who think that being an adult is someone who comes up with 
makes decisions based on ideas they come up with themselves. So they avoid confrontation and they resist input from other people. And this especially shocks me as it relates to leaders of any organization. So there's a, a, a really, <laughs> I'll tell you an example that's been confronting to me. Mm. I was taught about the leadership on a pirate ship. Oh, yes. So do you know who the leader is on a pirate ship? I would call him the captain. The captain. Okay, so was there a person? And if so, do you know who that would be who's able to confront the captain? And I'll say this. They were able to confront the captain at any time other than during war like don't get in my way when i'm you know when we're warring right but a person who any other time was able to confront the captain of a pirate ship (laughs) oh man i've never heard anyone get this answer right what is it pastor joel yeah my answer i think was the first mate and it's like nope no the answer is the, the answer is the quartermaster boom and this is the person who's going to be involved in everybody's lives on the ship too. So the they're going to be in being, the information. Yeah. The quarters being where you live, right? The master of where you live. So it's the, it's the perfect person to have this role because they're going to be able to communicate things to the captain that no one else on the ship is going to be privy to. Man. So think about that. Even a pirate ship knew you can't have a person in charge who can't be confronted. Oh, yeah. Woo. With face. Yeah, buddy. Then there's the the group of people we understand. Um, and we covered this. This is very much a, a similar thing we covered in the humility episode. I think we also covered it in the reading the Bible episode. And it is. So are we starting to see this? There's a lot of ways, different ways people have been abused based on a misapplication and understanding of some of these foundational doctrine. Mm. But the people we understand why they do what they do are these pastors who only get help when they really need it. Yet they're not, they're not seeking it out all the time like they ought to, Mm -hmm. but at least they reach out when they're humiliated. Ah. And then there's the group we're impressed with, the people we look up to, the people we strive to be more like. And these are people who have a dedicated wise counsel person in their lives. Like we talked, someone, this person would be able to name. I have this person. These are the people, the leaders, the pastors who know that their job is to make the decision and they're secure enough to ask others for advice. That is awesome. So what is the ultimate answer, Pastor Joel, that is not the freedom side? It's not the strict side. What is the ultimate answer? The ultimate answer is to make all the decisions you want after inviting 
input and confrontation. And in the Bible, this actually had a name. Hmm. This was called a council meeting, which we'll do a deep dive later on in other episodes. But this is really a council meeting. Make a person making decisions after inviting input and confrontation is how the church is supposed to make decisions. It's how God makes decisions. Mm. But all leaders ought to have someone, have at least one person, if not multiple, who can get in their face and show them where they're wrong. Awesome. Well, thank you, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.